This is HPR episode 2824 entitled GNU Orc, part 15, and is part of the series Accessibility. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 32 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Redirection of Input and Output, part 2. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello everybody, this is Dave Morris for Hacker Public Radio. It's a nice day, I've got the door open so you might hear background noises from the birds and stuff. Hopefully nobody in the vicinity is going to start a lawnmower. We'll see. So this is GNU Org Part 15 and it's uh, part of the series that Be Easy and myself are doing. I'm doing a second of a pair of episodes looking at redirection in Org Scripts. And this one, I'm going to talk primarily about the getLine command, which is used for explicit input as opposed to the usual implicit sort that we've seen up to now. And it can include redirection. Now, the getLine command and its uses is quite a complex subject. This show is going to be a bit longer than usual, but it's no in no way it's going to cover all of the, the ins and outs of this subject. So I've redirected you to the GNU Walk User's Guide for the full details. There's links in the, the show notes. There's long notes for this particular episode. So let's start off with a reminder of how Orc processes its rules. I think we alluded to this, but we maybe didn't go into enough detail about this as we've been going through the, the series. We're looking today at how you can change the default rules, the default methods, but I thought it was worthwhile just to look at the, the standard approach to this sort of stuff. So when the Orc script reads a line from a file or from standard input, then it scans it and triggers that causes it to, to go through all of the rules except for the ones which have uh, begin and end in front of them. And it... It, the rules are the things that make up the script. There's there's some sort of a test followed by bits of orc inside curly brackets. If a rule matches, then it's going to be run, and that process will continue until all of the rules have been checked. So it's entirely possible that multiple rules will match, and they will all be executed, if so, in the sequence that they're encountered. It's important to, to bear in mind that they are executed in that sequence. So what I've done for this show is to prepare a very, very simple data file with three lines in it and a very simple script which runs against it. Just as an aside, I'm using a command called lorem. There's a there's a thing called lorem ipsum, which is sort of fake Latin that uh, tends to be used to fill out forms or just to use as placeholders in blogs or something of that sort. 
and I've mentioned how you can get hold of this if you want to, to use it. So I'm, I've actually noted how I used it on the, the command line shell, the shell command line. I used printf space and then in double quotes percent s backslash n close double quotes space then a command substitution dollar open parenthesis lorem space w space three close parentheses so that what that does is to run this lorem command and ask it to generate three words then there's a redirection a greater than sign to a file called awk 15 test data one and i've provided this particular file with the show so the script which I've shown here, and is again downloadable if you want to play with it, is a standalone org script, and it contains three rules. None of the rules have any uh, matching things in front of them, so there's no tests that are being carried out. They're just three rules that will be obeyed. The first one simply prints out the string R1, in other words, rule 1, followed by three hyphens, just as a sort of delimiter. The second rule prints out R2, and then that's followed by the contents of $0. I won't read these out in minute detail because I think you should know how to do this by now. The third rule, it prints out R3, followed by the contents of $0 again. So it's really the same as R2, except that it's got a different um, rule number. And we've got the the data file contains two, three nonsense Latin words. I think they're nonsense. Some of them are not, actually, but anyway, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I learnt Latin at school, but I've erased it all from my head since then. So when you run it, it doesn't do anything very exciting. It simply prints out R1, three hyphens, R2, first word, voluptatibus, R3 prints out the same word. Then R1 again for the second word. I'm living on the edge by trying to pronounce these. Querat... And then third time round, three hyphens, sunt. So, wow, gosh. So basically what it's showing is that each rule is run for each line read from the data file. The first rule doesn't do anything at all with the data, but it's still going to be triggered because there are no criteria for for triggering it. It, it, It's going to happen whatever's been read in, and it's going to happen for every line that comes in. So there's nothing to stop any of these rules from running. So... That's how the the basic thing works. I think you probably knew this, but I thought it was worth... If if you'd asked me before I started looking at this, writing this particular episode, how does this work, I'd have probably scratched my head a bit. So I just thought it was worth making it entirely clear how it works. The getLine command, then, is a way of changing how Orc reads lines. Normally, they're, they're all being read one at a time from the whatever the data source is and there's all that stuff about matching patterns and invoking rules etc this is different from the way that other programming languages handle input though some can be coerced to do stuff similar in a similar way but this the, the way that uh, orc reads its data and processes it is one of its great strengths i think now the get line command can, can be used to read lines explicitly outside the usual read pattern match action cycle so this is an example of its use in a simple way if it's used on its own with no arguments it just reads in the next line and splits it up into fields in the normal way if used with normal input it 
affects how the data is read and how rules are executed. So if getLine finds a record, it returns a 1. So there are, there are flags that it returns. And if it encounters the end of file, it returns 0. If there's an error while it's reading, it returns a minus 1 and sets a variable called ERRNO in cover, which contains a description of what went wrong. So I've given you another script, which is basically the same as the first one. It's called awk15 underscore ex2.awk. And the only difference is that rule 2, it's the same three rules, except that rule 2 also contains a get line. So if we run that script against the same set of data we, we already used, then you get a different output. For the first line, you get R1 is triggered, so you get the three hyphens. R2 is triggered, and you see the first word of the file, which is this voluptatibus. But then the get line is, is invoked, and that goes and gets the, the third line, uh, sorry, the second line out of the file. And R3 is then triggered, because it's the next one in sequence, and it simply prints out that, that line. So the get line has caused the, the normal sequence of reading to, to change. Then the next time, the next iteration, R1, three hyphens, R2, contains the, the last line of the file, sunt, and the get line will not get anything back. So $0, which is printed by R3, will not be different as it was in the previous uh, iteration. So simply the script simply prints out the same line again hopefully that helps to clarify the effects of, of get line and against the normal way that awk works so i've written a slightly more usable or useful or perhaps it's not all that useful but a script anyway which demonstrates a thing that might be more useful though it needs work to to make it generic what we've got here is a file of text another one another one of these files of lorem text where i've simply written out um, a number of lines and i've then split the lines and put a hyphen on the first one at the end of the first one so on and so forth so there are there are actually six lines in the file and they're in pairs the first one of which has got a hyphen as the last character what this is meant to signify is that it's a continued line and you want the script to stick them together. The script detects that a line finishes with the hyphen and then it concatenates them. And um, you can see running it what, what it what is produced. So the, the general rule, I won't go into detail of what's in here, but in general, if the last field of a line is a hyphen, then that hyphen is deleted and the line is saved in a variable called line then the get line, a get line call, then refills $0, and then that is printed, preceded by the, the saved line. That's how you join two lines together. If there was a line without a hyphen on the end, which is, um, is entirely possible, then it would just be printed. Didn't actually put that in this example. I should have done, I suppose. But I'll let you play with that. Like I said, this is a very simplistic script. It doesn't cater for errors in the way in which it's laid out and if you put hyphen on as the last element but you've not left a space in front of it and it's concatenated to the previous word then this algorithm won't spot it 
and it really you should should be doing that if you were trying to make it into something actually useful. There's quite a sophisticated example in the GNU user's guide and I've given a link to it, section 4.10.1, where um, something vaguely similar is being done in a, in a more elegant and resilient way. So getLine can be followed by the name of a variable, and in which case the record is read from the main input stream into that variable. Now the record is not split into fields under these circumstances, and variables like nf, the last field is not changed because the, the field splitting process has not been invoked. However, since the main input stream is being read, uh, things like nr, the variable nr, which is number of records, will be changed because these are being counted by awk. I haven't gone into great detail about the side effects of this. You can find more about it in the, the manual. There's also a possibility of reading from a file, not too dissimilar from the way print and printf work, as we saw in the last episode. You would write get line then a less than sign and the name of a file. The name of the file has to be a string expression or a variable. And the expression representing the file can also be used to close that file. So there's a little snippet here which sets a variable input to some other variable path, um, a slash in double quotes and and a variable file name. So the assumption is that path and file name are two bits of that get you to a particular file and then you put slash between them, you're on a Unix system. Then get line less than sign input will open that file and read from it. And then once that's happened you can type close and in parentheses input and it will close that very file. And using variables for this is in extremely wise because Otherwise, you'd have to rely on your ability to exactly type the same string twice. Sorry about the noises off. Okay, so you can also, of course, read from a file into a variable. So it's reading one line at a time, as we said. So you can read from that file into, into a variable. I've got an example, which is awk15 underscore ex4.awk, which it actually... Um, consists of a script that reads from fruit names, the file fruit names that we created in the previous episode. These two episodes were actually one originally, so uh, so they sort of refer to one another a bit. But um, So what it actually does is it's all done in the begin rule. No other rules in this script. And what it's, it's doing is just, print, just reading in the file and printing it out. I did add a few, uh, another fiddly bit into it. So when you, if you look at it, it's looking at a, a variable called argc, all in capitals, A-R-G-C. So we need that to be two because it actually includes the uh, the name of the script as the first element. And so we need that when the script is invoked, we need it to have a an argument referring to the file that you want to, to process. So it checks to see if it is two, and if it's not, it prints out needs a file name argument, and it sent it to stdeerr, the standard error output, and exits. I just put that in because I thought it would be useful to show how you can you can do that type of thing. Then the actual data file is picked up from the array argv in capitals square brackets one. So that's that first element. 
Did I say? Yeah, it needs to be. There's two elements in it. There needs to be two elements in it, but they're addressed as zero and one. I think I didn't make that clear enough. So we have a while loop, and in the while loop, we have in parentheses get line line less than data. So data's got the name of the file. So it's going to be reading from that file. And after the parenthesized get line with its various arguments, we have a greater than zero. So we're looking to see if the answer, if the value that comes back from get line is one or zero. Because when it's zero, there's no more data. It's reached the end of the file. And the loop just has one command that it is invokes which is print line. So it's get line is read into a variable called line and it's simply printed out. And then at the after that while loop there's a close command which in parentheses uses the variable data. So it closes that file. So very, very, very trivial. It simply reads the file and prints it. Of course, as a seasoned orc user you you will be aware that you could simply have written this as on the command line orc single quotes, open curly brackets, print, close curly brackets, close single quote, space, fruit names. And it would have done exactly the same thing without anywhere near as much fuss. But um, this was for demonstration purposes. So next, the um, get line facility gets a bit more uh, sophisticated. You can read from a pipe in awk. Now, the way you do this is to provide a command, a vertical bar, then get line or command vertical bar get line and then the name of a variable. But read what, what happens is that the get line the aux runs the command as a subprocess and it gets lines from that command and either does usual splitting field splitting or it stores it in a variable. So aux fifteen ex five to aux is a simple aux script which runs as its command, which is being stored. It's all, it's all within begin rule. The command sort called CMD is a wget command. So you need to have wget installed on your, your Linux uh, system, or indeed a BSD system if you wish. wget uh, space minus or hyphen lowercase q, then a URL, which is the Hacker Public Radio stats page, which I won't read out. It's here in the notes. Then hyphen capital O, that means output to. Then that's followed by a file name, which is simply a hyphen, in which, in which case it means to output it to this, its standard out channel. So that's all in double quotes, so it's a string for all. So then there's a while loop, which does a similar thing, it inside the parentheses of the the test that's done every time the the loop runs each iteration. It's got CMD in parentheses vertical bar get line close parentheses, and then we compare the output from that to zero. We want it to be greater than zero because once the output ends, then get line will return zero, which means stop. So inside the loop, which uh, has got a body with curly brackets enclosing it, because it's a bit more complicated than the previous while loop we used, we've got an if statement where it's testing to see if $0 
and then a tilde, meaning uh, compare this with um, a regular expression. And the regular expression is caret, an up arrow thing, shows in Q colon. So we're looking for a line that begins with shows in Q. Close um, parenthesis there. Then if that matches, then we want to print F. Q shows on HPR percent D. We're using print F. Did I say that? Percent D backslash N. And we want to print out field number four. Once the loop has completed, then we close the pipe, which we do by um, giving close the command that we that we set up earlier in variable CMD. So the statistics is a, is a number of lines. Stats you get from HBR is a number of lines which contain various attributes of current state of HBR. One of them is the number of shows in the queue. And um, what this does is it, it picks out just that particular piece of text. So when you run it, and I just ran it in real time, and it comes back and says queued shows on HPR colon 27, because there's 27 in the queue just at this precise moment, which is the 23rd of April. So I did another example which is essentially the same, but uses a slightly different approach. And this is awk15ex6, but we're using get line var, name of variable, to store the stuff. So it's the same, command is, is the same. There's a while loop. What the while loop does is simply gets lines from the uh, the server. And it just doesn't do anything at all with them. It simply gets them one at a time until they've all been all been collected and then the connection is shut down. But what that means is that the last line that, that came back can is still still stored in the variable line. So we use split to chop that up into an array called fields using a comma as the delimiter. Then we can print out queued shows on HBR colon space percent D backslash N as the format spec for printf comma fields square bracket 10. The 10th item, 10th element of this last line which is a comma separated line contains the number of shows that are in the queue. So you get back the same answer, 27. Just to demonstrate that that's a different way of, of doing things. So the last thing I want to say about GetLine is that Orc provides, or this is GNU Orc, some of the other Orc variants don't offer this, but there's the capability of accessing a coprocess. And a coprocess is a subprocess, but it can be written to and read from. So in the context of the print and printf commands, we can send data to the process, the coprocessors, with the sequence vertical bar ampersand as, a, as an operator. Not just the plain pipe, but with an ampersand after it. And I, I already mentioned this in the last show, number 14. And not too surprisingly, you can use getLine to read this data back using the same operator. It's, you can bring it back as fields or you can put it in a variable. So I'm not going to go into a lot of depth. This is quite advanced and there's a lot of it, a lot of information about it in the GNU Orc uh, user's guide. There's a get line and go and co-processes section and there's a whole subject of two-way IO. You can write some quite sophisticated stuff using this. So I've written a simple thing 
which I've called awk15 underscore ex7, and it demonstrates a, a thing that you could do with this feature. Now, in this particular example, I've got an SQLite database, which I haven't provided for download. This is a copy of one that I use to keep track of the HPR episodes on the Internet Archive. This is going to be added to the next database design, but at the moment it's a standalone database. And for the purposes of this example, it's called orctest.db. Now, the way that you talk to the database is by sending it commands in structured query language. I have mentioned this in other shows. You might be aware of it. But the, the essence of what, what, what we're going to do here is to send it a command which consists of select, which is the sort of um, the verb used in SQL or structured query language, which lets you get data out of a database. Select space, then ID, comma title. These are two fields of the database that I have defined. ID is the show number, title is the show title, from is the next uh, part of the, the sequence, and episodes is the name of the table. Then follow that with where ID equals, and then some placeholder, semicolon. You don't actually type the the placeholder in this particular case, but um, what we're going to do is we're going to use uh, printf to uh, to generate it. So whatever goes in that placeholder, you'll get back the answer in the form of the show number and the title for a given HBR show. So what we have in this script is we have two rules. We've got a begin rule where we're declaring things, and we're declaring db a variable called db, which is being set to orctest.db, the name of the file containing the, the little database, with a command. The command is sqlite3. That's the, the command which you use on the command line, which must be followed by the name of a, a, a database, which you can then either use interactively or you can feed it commands through that, that route. And then the third variable is called query TPL. I tend to use TPL to mean template. And in it, it's a, it's a string. It's actually a template for printf, or format template. And that select ID title from episodes where ID equals thing that I mentioned before is, is in it. And the placeholder is percent %d and a semicolon backslash n. So that's the begin rule, and it set these variables up. Then... What we want to do is to read, the script wants to read numbers, and these numbers will be show numbers that it's to interrogate the database for. So the test that we're using for this rule is that $0, the entire line, matches a regular expression which consists of the, the, the digits 0 to 9 one or more times, with nothing else on the line. It starts on the line and it, it ends the, the line ends after the last digit. We could have been more sophisticated, then allowed spaces around it, but I didn't think it was worth the trouble for this demo. So this particular rule then uses printf with the format that we already declared called query TPL, and we feed it $0 as the variable that's going to be fed into that command, that's SQL command. We send that to the variable cmd, which is running as a coprocess, and we do it through a vertical bar and an ampersand. So what that will do, and the first time it's invoked, is it will 
cause the coprocessors to start up and it will feed the coprocessor will be running SQLite on the database expecting individual commands to come in and the com first command it will get will be generated by this printf then the next line is using a command on the left side and a vertical bar and an ampersand with get line following it and get line is followed by the name of a variable which is result so command vertical bar ampersand get line space result so what that will be doing is it will be talking to the coprocess and will be pulling back anything that is produced by that query onto the database as the variable result and the last line is print space result to print its content so what i've actually done there's there's many ways that this could be run the simplest one for the demonstration purposes would be to feed it some numbers in a file which is what i did i called it uh, walk 15 ex5 data but i haven't included it in the show because it's no point it's just a line with uh, just a file with three lines in it and i've included the lines the numbers per one per line 2761, 2789, and 2773. So when you run it with this data file, it just simply returns 2761 HPR Community News for February 2019, 2789 Pacing in Storytelling, 2773 Lead Acid Battery Maintenance and Calcium Charge Volt. That's that's all. That, I mean, it looks pretty simple. The, the, the process, the code process, will just keep running until it till the awk script runs out of data when the awk script runs out of data it will simply exit when it exits the coprocess will be killed off by awk you could if you wished do an explicit close on that coprocessor and that would that would uh, make it go away i didn't do that here because it didn't seem to be entirely necessary to to do but so you get some sort of idea of how you could be running a a coprocess which is just sitting there waiting for stuff to be thrown at it and coming back with answers and you can write a script which uh, will converse with it okay that's all i'm going to say then about uh, getline this particular show i'm going to finish off with a with a finale which is pretty much a uh, an announcement now there is a lot more that could be said about this redirection subject input and output as well as about coprocesses as we said and there's many more subjects within GNU Walk that could be examined. But we feel that now's the time to bring this series to an end. Beezy and I feel that the areas of, of Orc, GNU Walk that we've not covered in this series might be left best left for you to investigate further if you have the need. We both feel that Orc is a very useful tool in, in many respects, but doesn't stand in comparison with more advanced scripting languages such as Python, Ruby and Perl. Perl in particular has borrowed many ideas from Orc and has extended them considerably over the years. Ruby was designed with Perl in mind, and uh, although it's, it's probably done some of the, the things as a language better than, than Perl, and Python came at the subject from a different angle has innovated enormously and uh, is an extremely widely used language so there there are others which i won't go into but uh, just to give you the flavor of the fact that there's many other languages which are good for text processing 
other than than all. So although GNU Ox advanced considerably since it was created, I think it shows its age quite a lot and its usefulness is a bit limited. Now there are cases where quite complex scripts might be written in all, but the way most people seem to use it is part of a pipeline or inside shell scripts of various sorts. Where you might write a complex script in Perl, Python or Ruby, for example, taking on a large project solely in Orc seems like a pretty bad choice today. So before we wind up this series, it's planned to produce one more episode, number 16. And in it, Beezy and I will record a show together. Exactly how, I'm not sure, mumble perhaps, but something more sophisticated perhaps. At the time of writing and the time of recording, there's no time scale, though we don't want to let it uh, sit for too long. But we'll endeavour to do this as soon as our schedules allow. And we really wanted to review what has got us here and uh, give a bit more information about why we feel it's not worth carrying on any further with the, with the series. And uh, just sort of give you our two different views on uh, what we've been doing over these years now. We've been doing this for a couple of years, a bit more, not sure. Don't have the, the dates to hand. But um, anyway, that's that's the um, the plan. So I hope you've enjoyed the series as a whole and uh, have found it useful. Okay, that's it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.